this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Today we are taking the day off. I am on the road working on a pilot for a new podcast. More on that later. Tiffany still getting settled in her new apartment. So we are going to answer the request of some of you who are new to the show and play the very first episode. Episode one, Outset. This episode took place mm, over two years ago now when I was fairly new in Rome, barely getting my land legs, not to mention just figuring out how to do this thing that we call podcasting. So it might be the worst episode ever. I have no idea. I haven't heard it since then. So I'm going to listen back along with the rest of you. And even those of you who have followed us all along, it's been over two years. So you might find something interesting in watching our journey evolve by listening back to the very first episode and where we began. Talk to you next week. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, I'm your host, Katie Sewell, along with Tiffany Parks, your other host. We're having tea, cheese, candlelight. It's pretty nice. It's uh, very romantic, overly so. In fact, we're sitting up in my bed because it's the only spot that's not too echoey in the house. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm a public radio producer, now living in Rome for the academic year. And Tiffany, I have known since I met her on the school bus, uh, what, seventh grade? Sixth grade. Sixth Sixth grade. grade. Can I sit here? And she said yes. And I was a pretty nerdy person, so that was a gift. (laughs) Well, it was the beginning of of an amazing friendship, that's for (laughs) sure. When you're 11 years old and you, you know, meet a soulmate, it's a pretty rare thing. Pretty rare, yeah. And Tiffany's actually been gone for a long time. How long have you been in Rome? In Rome, over nine years. This is my 10th year. Wow. We thought we would focus on what our lives are like living in Rome as two Seattleites living abroad. Now, Tiffany, you're practically from Rome at this point. Well, I sometimes I do feel like Rome is more my home than anywhere else, but I, I, I definitely feel very American, even though I have a lot of Italian, new sort of men- Italian mentality Nevertheless, I I could never get away from my American roots, for sure, especially West Coast American roots. Where are the big differences? How can people still tell you're an American, even though you've been living in Italy so long? Uh, Small ways. um, If it's warm outside, even if it's November, I generally won't be wearing a winter coat and hat. Whereas an Italian, it doesn't matter what the temperature is. They go by the calendar month. So if it's November, they're going to dress in a ski coat and a hat and gloves and huge scarf, even if it's 70, 72 degrees outside. So that's a small way. <laughs> Do you think you look different? I mean, obviously you're... Aged. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than when I lived in Seattle, that's for sure. No, I wasn't talking about that physically, but is there something about how you present yourself that they Definitely. can tell that you're not Italian? Um, when they see me, they generally know that I'm not Italian because of coloring because of facial structure because Americans are so mixed uh, as far as race we have a different facial structure than Italians our faces are a little bit I don't know softer in a way and Italians because they have so much or any you know European person who's sort of always all of their parents have always been from that same country they have kind of stronger facial features but I was going to say um, despite being American I do feel like I dress I'm not going to say I dress like a complete European, but I definitely don't dress like an American anymore. For example, I would not be caught dead wearing flip-flops outside my house. Oh, man. (laughs) Well, to my credit, I broke my flip-flops the first week I was here, so 
Uh, so am I dressed like an American right now? Um, yeah, I mean, any top that has a zipper on it is generally going to be pretty American. Not, <laughs> I, I will say this. Things are changing. And the Italian dress standards are becoming relaxed, um, especially in the South. In the North, if you go up to Milan, they're still a little bit more dressy. But, um, but yeah, I mean, jeans... Obviously, I'm wearing jeans, too. So jeans, very American, but it, more and more Italians wear them on a daily basis now. What about fleece? Oh, fleece doesn't exist here. <laughs> we don't do fleece. We don't do flannel. Uh, see, I'm from Seattle, so we do comfort more than we do style. Mm. And I was actually very nervous moving here. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to look like such a jerk. No, um, definitely we are more casual in the States. But the typical thing you'll see, which you do not look like this, so don't worry. The typical thing is the American college student, generally about 20 years old, even if it's the middle of winter, she's wearing the same thing. She's wearing flip-flops, cut-off shorts, and a big university sweater. And her hair is pulled up, not in a ponytail, not in a bun, in sort of a halfway between the two. Like she couldn't decide if she wanted her hair in a bun or a ponytail. Uh, and so that is what the American generally looks like during the day. And at night, she gets all dressed up, bright colors, cute little tank top, maybe some beading on it, short skirt. Otherwise would look great. She makes one fatal mistake. Flip-flops. Mm. Ruins the whole outfit. All right. Well, let's <clears throat> let's leave that for a moment and go back to how you ended up being here. You decide to move. I don't. You've told me before, but I don't think you intended to go home, even though your mother thought that perhaps you were just coming for a visit. Is that true? I think my mother had an idea that I was going to move over here and start an international opera career, which was sort of the, you know, was my dream as a as a kid at least, and as a as a young adult. Um, I really wanted to live in Rome. That was the point. You know, whatever excuse I came up with singing opera, as much as I loved to sing opera, but that was really more at that point, anyway, the excuse to get over here. It's Italy is just, in case you're wondering, not a good place to try to kickstart an opera career. <laughs> if, you're, if you're interested in singing opera, stay in America or move to Germany, but don't co come to Italy. So I moved here in September of 2004. And About what age were you? I was in my mid, heading towards late 20s. I think I was 26 or 27. I didn't plan to come back. I mean, I knew it could happen. Anything could happen. But it, it wasn't, oh, I'm going to come for three months. Or I'm going to come for a year. I'm going to see how I like it. That was not really an option. I didn't give myself the option of coming back. See, and as a friend of yours, I thought we assumed you were coming back, that this was a temporary thing. Oh, Tiffany's going to live in Rome for a few years, and then she'll be back. And I can still vividly remember you coming to visit at one point. And I don't know if you sat down and had a talk with me, but when I think back of it, my head, and that's how I picture it in my mind, which is surely not accurate. But I picture you just being like, I have to let you guys know that I'm never, I'm never coming back. I don't remember this conversation at all. It may not have happened. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was a dream. I don't know. But I, I just remember that you saying, oh, I'm never coming back. I, who knows? You never know where life is going to lead you, but uh, I definitely didn't didn't ever think that I would I would come back at least not unless I had a very good reason like some you know dream job or or something like that well and did you love it right away no the first year here was hell they spent the first two weeks living with these relatives and um, they turned out to be pretty horrible people particularly the the mother of the family the mother and the son 
horrible how what's your unpleasant experience well it, it was actually heartbreaking for me because they were really i thought that they were really wonderful people and i had i had known you know i'd met them several times i'd stayed with them i'd been you know i'd sung in their daughter's wedding and then i came you know i moved here and to Americans, you know, we think, oh, you know, you're going to move, you know, have an experience abroad, move to France, move to Japan, move to, you know, Brazil, just go for it, do it. It sounds exciting. Italians don't really think that way. You you would move to a foreign country like America or Australia or England to, to further your career. But why would you move to a country that in their minds would be kind of taking a step backwards? They couldn't figure out why I wanted to be there. It, it was completely strange for them. But that's not what made them horrible. Um, what was horrible was the father of the family, who was older than my own father, so he was in his 70s, he um, started hitting on me pretty strongly. The mother realized this before I did, really, because I just thought he was being friendly. And she started being horribly mean to me because of it. And the son, I don't know what his problem was. So I felt completely alone. I didn't want to live with them. I did, I, maybe they thought I did. Maybe they thought I was going to move in and, and just, you know, live off of them permanently. And maybe that's why the mother was freaked out. That's not, it was not my plan. I just wanted to be there for a few weeks so I could get my feet on the ground, find an apartment. And even though I was only there two weeks, it quickly turned into hell. Absolutely miserable. I was crying every day. Couldn't help it. Couldn't stop myself. I was afraid that, I was afraid of many things. I was afraid I wouldn't be able to find a job. I was afraid I wouldn't make any friends. I wouldn't be able to hack it, and I would have to go back home a failure, not even having been able to, to start any kind of a new life for myself. And remember, this was back before Facebook, before expat groups that I know of. So I had no resources. I didn't know how to meet people. I didn't know, you know, I didn't really have any way to make friends at first. Well, and you didn't have a visa. How were you expecting to work? Well... Things have changed in, in Italy, and they're a bit harder. Um, follow the, the law a little bit more closely now. But back uh, in 2004, if you were from a first world country, particularly an English-speaking country, it was pretty easy to work under the table. You know, obviously not if you were going to try to have some important career, you know. But if you were content to be a nanny, an English teacher, a waitress, or even a yoga teacher, which is what I did, didn't need any kind of papers. You didn't need any documents. Even if you were stopped by the police in some situation and you didn't have any documents, if you were from America or Canada, Australia, they would, they would just look the other way. They didn't really care. But things have changed now. Which is why I don't have a job. <laughs> uh, well, but you're also at a different stage in your life. That's true. You I are, wasn't trying to get a job. Yeah. And you are, you are overqualified for the kinds of jobs that I was taking. You're never overqualified. If I was to become an English teacher or nanny, I wouldn't know what I was doing. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to hear about what your first week here was like, or your first uh, impressions, although it wasn't that long ago. Oh, I, what is it, two and a half months? Two and a half months. Now I'm starting to fear that it's going to end too soon. I think, I think it will. I already feel like it's, it's going too fast. I'm already missing you when you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Well, I'm here through June. Or she might just never go away, like me. <laughs> I'm just telling people I'm here through June. No, um, <laughs> I am planning on leaving, but who knows? Like you said, life can go any which way, right? And I came under those tag-along circumstances you were talking about. My husband, Derek, got a fellowship to study. And then the big decision was, do I quit my job that I've had for 10 years working in public radio and go and spend a year doing next to nothing <laughs> in Italy? Or do we just say, 
and it helped that you were here for me, I think, personally, but ultimately decided that it was something we couldn't pass up because it was a once in a lifetime opportunity and we have no kids and just one fish that went to a happy home. You know, nothing really tying us into the, the city we were in except for my job, which I loved and was incredibly sad to leave. But so here we are. At first, it was just amazing. I, I was one of those people that never thought, I never thought I was going to even leave the United States, you know. You did to travel? <laughs> I know, right? Even to travel. This is going way back, and thankfully I evolved by my early 20s, but I remember being 18 and thinking, I love it here. I love America. I love my friends. I love this. I'm happy here. I never need to go anywhere else. This is good. Jeez, what a sad life that would have been. Well, Maybe yes not and no. Sad. I mean, it is a pretty amazing place. When you think about, you know, at least what the opportunities that you have, and living away from it, you, you, you realize, especially sort of ease of doing things, how easy it is. I mean, now you know because of all the bureaucratic headaches <laughs> you've had to go through. But in America, things are so easy. And here, things are very hard. Going from thinking I wouldn't leave the country to actually, I left the country a lot when I was a younger person, but I always went to Southeast Asia. And I had been to Rome once for your wedding two years ago, two plus years ago now, two right? Half. Two and a half years ago? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Uh, and I loved Rome then. We had a great time. So I at least kind of knew what I was coming back to. And we also had, um, just in those brief 10 days or two weeks that we were here for your wedding, we'd created certain rituals in the city already. There were restaurants that had become favorite restaurants. And so it felt like at least you were going somewhere where you had some kind of anchor. But I also had that worry that when I had walked away from everything, you know, and I'd said goodbye to my job and I'd said goodbye to my parents who live in the same city as me and all my friends and all this stuff that um that on the flight over I had this picture of myself just being like <laughs> you know what am I doing you know on the flight over and that wasn't the case at all like on the flight over I was so excited <laughs> to actually be leaving and uh, uh that has not been the case for me in other travels I moved briefly to New York City to do an internship and I was miserable there, you know, because I'd never, I was like, what am I doing here? I left a great job. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I don't know anybody. And I did know people. I mean, that was just me being like, oh, I just don't know anybody. But I, I do have to say that I've heard, I've never lived in New York myself, but I've heard from people that do that you do not start to like it there until you've lived there like three or four years. It's hard to live in New York. It's not just because it was a, a different place. It was because it was New York. Yeah. But I definitely had that I'm on my own. Because, you know, when you work your whole adult life where you essentially grow up, even though I'm from central Minnesota as a kid, but then I moved to Seattle and I've been there, the exception of leaving for college and coming back, I've been there. So when I went to New York for that little brief period of time, it was really the first time I'd ever moved away and was out on my own alone in the city. And thank God I went through that experience because I feel like that got it all out. You know, that weird insecurity that you have when you're on your own for the first time. And then when I got here, I was, oh man, in some ways it's such a relief to be somewhere different and to not have all those expectations of being at home. So that has nothing to do with Rome. <laughs> that's, all, that's all to do with me. But first impressions on being here was that I was exhausted <laughs> from the travel, couldn't stay out during the day. And I was living right next to Piazza Navona in a temporary apartment. Piazza Navona is probably one of the most beautiful places in the entire world. Yeah. And I was up at three in the morning and Derek, my husband was up too, because I was up <laughs> and, uh, and we decided that we were going to go out and take a walk. And we walked out to Piazza Navona and all the lights are on in the fountains and the church is all lit up and there's nobody there. 
And that was the quintessential moment of coming to Rome. Here I am in one of the world's most famous, most beautiful squares, alone at four in the morning. This is an incredible experience. You can't beat Rome for beauty. I don't think there's any place in the world, maybe some people would say Paris, but I don't think that there's any city that has as many beautiful angles and corners that Rome has. So that helps, especially if, you know, if you're feeling homesick. Is beauty enough? I'm in a different mental state because as far as I'm concerned, I'm leaving and you're staying. Yeah. So how do you get through those first two weeks? And beauty is not enough. No, or maybe well, it is enough. Honestly, sometimes I ask myself, why, why am I still here? And obviously now I'm married to an Italian. That helps. Um, that, that does help. But that, that's only, I want to make it clear that I didn't meet my husband until I'd already lived here for four years, until I was very grounded here already and felt like Rome was my home. So I definitely didn't stay for him. On the contrary, he want, would like to go and live in America. And I am terrified of that idea. Terrified? Why? Because, first of all, because I feel like I already started my life over once when I came here and I started from zero. And I feel like going back to the States after 10 years away would be like starting over from zero again. It wouldn't be quite as hard because I'd be a citizen. I would speak the language perfectly. I would know people. But still, career-wise, I mean, I, I, would, I would be basically be starting from zero. But also terrified because I feel like Rome is a bigger part of my life than normally what someone's city is. So much of what inspires me in my work, and when you say beauty enough, is, is beauty enough, actually, it's very interesting because I had to ask myself, what is it that really is stopping me? What is it that really makes me want to live here? Because there are so many hard things about living here, difficult things that don't come up when you're here for a vacation, don't even come up always when you're here for a year. There's a lot of things coming up now that didn't come up until I got married, became you know, a, a legal resident and, and saw what Italians have to face here. And so there are a lot of things that make me think I don't want to be here forever and especially don't want to raise my children here or at least have them become adults here. And so I think, well, what is it, what is it that scares me so much about moving back to the States and, and scares me about leaving Rome? And sometimes I think, as superficial as it sounds, it's because I can't stand to not be able to see the things and experience the things that I see and experience every day, the beauty everywhere around me, also the charmingness of it, the characteristic, picturesque corners and angles and, you know, the butcher and the, you know, the baker and the little... The cheese man. The cheese man, the little things, the little European things that you would think after 10 years I would I would gotten over by now, but I'm really not over them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an interesting question. I don't know. It's not, I'm not going to say that it, just beauty is enough, but it's, for me, it's very, it's very important. Just for me being here only two and a half months, which I'm sure a lot of people have toured to Rome. So this is not an experience people don't understand. They've seen, come and they've seen the beauty in, <clears throat> in many cases. But for me, it really highlights how poorly put together America is a lot of the time. We have buildings that are beautiful, but we have a lot of buildings that aren't beautiful and weren't meant to be beautiful ever when they were made beautiful historic city centers and then you drive for 10 minutes and you're in a nut you could be anywhere in america there's the mcdonald's there's the walmart there's the big box stores we're just so run by corporations that you can have a beautiful downtown charleston and then get a little farther out and all of a sudden you could be in the outskirts of denver you could be in the outskirts of seattle you could be in the outskirts of greater minnesota wherever wherever it's becoming so uniform by these corporations and being somewhere in Rome 
it seems like most things when they were built were built to impress people. This church making a statement about who they were, or this king making, not king, but noble, making a statement about who they were. And so the city's full of beauty. When you're living in a society that's run by profit, that's not necessarily the case. And that's been very highlighted to me, wandering around this place, because there is, there are some ugly buildings in Rome, but most of it is interspersed with great beauty everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the history. It's beauty and history. You walk around and you see different eras so clearly. You can see medieval buildings. You can see Renaissance buildings. You can see ancient ruins. It's hard not to appreciate it. Do you have any idea where you would move if you actually were to go back to America? Not that you're going to. Not that I'm going to. Um, would I you head home back to the Seattle area? As much as I, I think about Seattle a lot, I have no family there anymore. It would almost be like moving to any other city in, in, in the sense that I don't have a home base there. My parents don't live anywhere where I really like to be, to be honest. So I wouldn't move to either where they are, which is Arizona and Idaho, respectively. The idea of New York is, for many reasons we talked about a moment ago, is terrifying to me. Although as a child, as a little child, I always dreamed of living in New York. And that was where I wanted to, li- to end up. But I can't picture it at this point in time. I can't picture myself living in New York. I feel like I'm, I'm not tough enough to live in New York, if that makes sense. Which seems crazy to me as a person who knows you, who saw you be very brave and leaving the States and coming here. And for me, as a conservative, hang home near your folks kind of person, <laughs> stick with the familiar, I thought that that was so bold and so brave. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I guess it was. Rome's a huge city, too. Rome is a huge city, but it's 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 kind of slow city. You can do things slowly. I think I feel like New York, whenever I go to New York, I feel like I'm going to be run over on the sidewalk because I'm not walking fast enough and I'm not doing things fast enough. I'm not really a workaholic. Maybe that's Italy. <laughs> Maybe that's Italy has done that to me. But I'm not anymore. <laughs> See? <laughs> Two months in Italy and I can barely get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> you lose all ambition. You have to because <laughs> cause Rome will just crush it up. Because you can't get anything done here. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, no, I find, it, I find it overwhelming. I find New York overwhelming and I find it uh, intimidating. I feel like it's the kind of city where you can really only live well if you have a lot of money. And, and that's one of the things I love about Italy is that you can live really well on not a lot of money. Very unlikely you're going to have a lot of money. So it's, it's better that way. <laughs> um, you can eat well without a lot of money. You can, um, you can have fun. You can do, there's a lot of things to do that are free or very inexpensive. And so that's one great thing about, uh, about Rome. Maybe we should talk about what you do. What do you do, Tiffany? What do you do in Rome now? Um, I do many things. <laughs> uh, but the, most, the thing I, that I spend most of my time doing is writing. I, um, I am in the editor of Where Rome magazine, which is a tourist-based magazine. It's an it's a international magazine. They have it in many, many different cities. I write for that magazine and edit it, and I also write a blog. I also am writing my first novel I mean the editing process and uh, I mean I do tours very well by the way I should add thank you yes you're a writer um, but obviously as you kind of alluded to the salaries in Italy are pretty low at least now has it gotten worse 
Um, I don't think it's gotten worse. I think that definitely the salaries have not kept up with inflation, though. So in that sense, it's gotten worse. I don't think the salaries have maybe gone down. You know, it's bad. It's bad. There's very few people are getting steady contracts. Young people, particularly the generation beneath us, people in their 20s are having a very hard time. They're not getting jobs for their qualifications. They're, they're getting taken advantage of by their employers. And so it's very difficult. Plus, one thing that is expensive in Rome I have to admit, is housing. So the the difference between the price of an apartment and the salary in, in, in Rome is a, is a big problem. You, you know, it's very difficult. Well, that's why most people live with their parents. Which also keeps you expecting too much in some ways. If your parents live in a very nice house and uh, you had the experience of moving out of your parents' house and probably living in a pretty crabby apartment at some point. I used to have an apartment that had so much mold in the bathroom <laughs> that the tile was starting to fall off the wall. <laughs> and I uh, talked to the landlord about it, and he's like, it's it's okay. It's fine. But we've had this experience of living in kind of crappy areas, not ideal, not having everything that we want to have yet, working our way up. And you were telling me that that's a problem with Italian young people. Yeah, they don't go through that step. They don't. It's one thing to, to live like that when you're in your early 20s. And you, you expect that it's normal and you kind of almost enjoy it in a sense. Like you're proud of the fact that, you know, you could wash the dishes when you're sitting in bed. Um, <laughs> but uh, but when you're 35 and you have a sociology degree and you speak three la- or four languages fluently and you are basically a, a glorified intern because you work full time, but you get paid what an intern would get paid. You don't want to go through that anymore. You, you're at the age when you, you want to get married, maybe, and you might want to have children. What I'm trying to say is, <laughs> if you don't go through, if you don't leave home at 18 or 21 and go through that and start working your way up, you're not going to be able to deal with it at 35. So what happens is Italians don't leave home at 18 or 21 and they they don't finish their university degree very quickly they probably stay in university for eight ten years even they don't have the same need to get a job that an american would have an american their parents kick them out they're like you're on your own you're 18 or you're 21 you're on your own so they have to do that an italian doesn't italian is going to be coddled by their parents and they're going to be able to live at home until whenever they decide to leave their parents will never kick them out so the problem is they don't have the job history that a 35-year-old American would have because they haven't been working since they were 18 because they haven't had to. I should ask you, since we are two Americans in Rome talking about Italians, how accurate do you think you are about Italians? I definitely am fallible for sure um, <laughs> because I'm not Italian. Because I, I can just hear the people being like, well, I don't see why they would be judging so much. Well, I can be very judgy on Italians. I have to admit, I have to stop myself sometimes. It depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to Americans, I'm very judgy on Italians. If I'm talking to Italians, I'm very judgy on Americans. I don't mean to, but it just it just comes <laughs> out. But I have had a lot of experience with Italian families. I see my husband's family. I have a few Italian friends. I say a few, even after 10 years, it's not that easy to make friends with Italians, especially the girls. Really? Why is that? Mm, well, because they st- they tend to sort of have a pack mentality. You know, you make friends in high school or even younger, and those are your friends for life. Italians don't generally move around very much. 
the people who you know who are in Rome have been living in Rome their entire lives, and the, their friends are friends they've had since they were 11 or 14. This is, again, I'm generalizing, so there are exceptions. But most Italians probably feel, I don't need to make any more friends. I have my friends. These are my, my real friends, which is a great thing to have friends that long, um, as obviously we know. Yes. I've, I've been in situations where, you know, you try to make friends with Italians, and they're just not really that interested, unless it's a guy, and then they really want to be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, not exactly your friend, but <laughs> they want to get to know you. But you do have a, f- a couple after all this I stuff. have a few. I have a very few. And they're, and they're really sort of different from, uh, from, I hate to say, the typical Italian girl. How so? Um, my friend Cecilia is very interested in art and history. In fact, we met taking a, a class on Roman history and Roman art. And she always wants to go out and do cultural activities and things like that, where I feel like the typical Italian her age would be more interested in going shopping or hanging out, gossiping with her friends. Oh. And she and she always you know, is interested in meeting new people and, and meeting foreigners. That's the thing. Foreigners, a dreaded foreigner. It's It's not super great to be a foreigner in Italy. We're seen as outsiders. So what does that mean for your husband, Claudio, when he married a foreigner? Did that change his uh, reputation with his friends or the way that other locals in your neighborhood are going to view him? Um, I think definitely it changed, uh, but not necessarily in a bad way. I hate to say it, but this is the reality is that um, foreigners from first world and particularly English-speaking countries are seen even though we're seen as outsiders and even though we're not necessarily trusted in the same way an Italian would be, we're still seen as people who are going to uh, benefit society. There's another class of foreigner that unfortunately is very marginalized. In Italy, people from outside of Europe, but also people from Eastern Europe or from Romania, Bulgaria, that sort of area. And it would have been very different if he had married. Unfortunately, I mean, it shouldn't be this way, but it would if, he'd, if he had married an Albanian woman or a Moroccan woman, that, that would have been a scandal. By marrying an American woman, it's almost like, wow, you can go live in America now. So he's actually... Score. Score, exactly. That's <laughs> why so I think that's why he married me. <laughs> I hope that's not the only reason why he married you. <laughs> no, because uh, what he doesn't know is that he can't get a green card unless I sponsor him. That's right, and you don't want to go back, so... Exactly. <laughs> no, um, no, but um, I think that... I don't know. This is just my guess. But I think it might give him a little air of almost sophistication by having a a foreign wife from America, not just from any country, but from America. Because as much as Italians, you know, might criticize Americans, Italians have always had a fascination with America, just like America has had with Italy. It's kind of a mutual fascination. Hmm. Well, you should ask him about it tonight. And then next time we get together to do one of these podcasts, we'll find out what it's actually added to his life or detracted. <laughs> I will definitely ask him tonight. He's actually cooking for me tonight. So that's something that maybe has, uh, he, if he had an Italian wife, I don't necessarily think that he would have to cook dinner ever. Or do laundry. Or do laundry. I will be honest. I'd cook and do laundry more than he does. But he does do it sometimes, which is a step in the right direction. <laughs> All right. Well, we have to leave it there. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. We welcome your questions and your feedback. Reach the show by emailing bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at mail.com.